Hey guys, my name is Ian and welcome back to the AZ Sports Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Arizona Cardinals and their upcoming NFL season. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the Arizona Cardinals and their upcoming season and they have been highly regarded and have become one of the most exciting teams to look out for in this upcoming season. So before we talk about their season, we're going to talk about this past off season. Their first moves were to re-sign DJ Humphreys and Larry Fitzgerald. DJ Humphreys was re-signed to a three-year, $45 million deal. For those that don't know, he is the left starting left tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. It may seem a little bit of an overpay just due to the fact that he's only played one full healthy season and that was in his contract year. But he plays a premium position at the left tackle position. That's a player that the Cardinals cannot afford to lose. So giving him a modest three-year $45 million deal compared to what other left tackles are asking for, it's a good deal. Larry Fitzgerald was re-signed to another one-year deal worth $11 million. It is a shame that he is still asking for the $11 million about every time his contract goes up, but that is somebody that we want to keep around our organization. And he really just is a legend out here in Arizona, so we really had to bring him back like that. Once the free agency period opened on March 16th, the first thing that they did was transition-tagged Kenyon Drake, who was our starting running back for the second half of the past season. He ended up signing the transition tag, which was worth $8.5 million for this next season. He came along in a trade at the trade deadline this past season in exchange for a fifth-round pick, and he fit in seamlessly. or He fit in very well. And he was a much better fit than our former starting running back, David Johnson, who we ended up trading right after we transitioned-tagged Kenyon Drake. We traded him a second-round pick in 2020, which became, I believe it was... Ross Blacklock, and they traded a 2021 fourth-round pick. They traded those three to Houston, and the Arizona Cardinals received arguably the best receiver in the entire league in DeAndre Hopkins, and they received a 2020 fourth-round pick, which became Richard Lawrence, who I'll get into in a little bit. I'm pretty sure everybody knows who DeAndre Hopkins is and what he brings to the team as a receiver when it comes to his off-the-field acts. He doesn't... He's just... uh, It was really strange to see Houston trade somebody like him who really doesn't have an attitude problem, doesn't have a big ego. He just goes out there and works. And as a Cardinals fan, I'm really grateful to see somebody like him join this organization. The next few moves that they've made included acquiring defensive tackle Jordan Phillips on a three-year $30 million deal. Jordan Phillips this past season was was with Buffalo, and he averaged nine and a half sacks, or he had nine and a half sacks this past season, and a lot of people said that he was snubbed of the Pro Bowl this past season. Now, most of his sacks were pretty much cleanups. None of... Not a whole lot of the sacks that he had were created by him, but he still offers a ton of strength down in the trenches, and he has been a very good run defender as well. All he can really do is just maybe get four or five sacks a season for us, and I think that is a a winning signing in my eyes. The next move included acquiring... Devon Kennard, who was with Detroit this past season, who was a linebacker. We signed him to a three-year, $20 million deal. The thing about Devon Kennard is that he really wasn't meant to be that pass rusher 
for Detroit. He played a little bit of that. That sometimes Matt Patricia played him in coverage, which he wasn't the greatest at, but the Cardinals know that he has the ability to possibly improve on that. In each of the past two seasons, he averaged seven sacks, or he had seven sacks in each of the past two seasons. And the Cardinals really needed a number two edge rusher next to Chandler Jones, who really has been carrying the sack club this the past few years, really. And we acquired somebody that is steady and is just a hard worker and has a great ego as well. Another signing that they made was bringing in inside a linebacker Devondre Campbell from the Atlanta Falcons. They signed him to a one-year, $8.5 million deal. He is regarded as one of the best run-stopping middle linebackers in the league. He has the confidence and he has the ability to play as a coverage inside a linebacker as well. He has been very inconsistent with his pass coverage skills, but but whenever he peaks, he looks like a very good pass coverage linebacker. And for a team that got skunked on by many tight ends throughout this past season, he's just going to keep upgrading our inside linebacker core, especially since there's an open slot since Hassan Reddick moved to an edge-rushing role. The interesting part about this offseason was the draft. Um, in this offseason, a lot of experts or media analysts expected the Cardinals to go out and grab a top-tier offensive lineman, whether that have been in free agency where there was players like Jack Conklin and they could have made a trade for a player like Trent Williams. Or they could have looked to the draft with their eighth overall pick, where there is prospects like Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, and Jedrick Wills that would have that may have been all been available at that number eight pick. And that seemed like the light and the likelihood of them drafting an offensive lineman increased once they made the trade for DeAndre Hopkins and they surprised a little bit of people with their selection of Isaiah Simmons who if you guys don't know is a six foot three inside a linebacker or I wouldn't even call him an inside linebacker I would call him just a defender the dude is extremely versatile the dude played as an edge rusher he played as an inside linebacker he played in the trenches. He played outside corner. He played slot corner. He played both safety positions. And he played them all at a very high level when he was at Clemson. And a team that really hasn't... Or... They don't have many players that can really cover tight ends. They brought in Devondre Campbell, but we don't know what he's going to be like, especially with his inconsistencies. And obviously we don't know what, how rookies are going to produce in this upcoming season just due to the fact of coronavirus. But we all know the potential and versatility that he brings to the Arizona Cardinals defense, and that just opens many things up for a defense that really was lacking in this past season. Their second-round pick, like I said earlier, was traded to Houston. And with their third round pick, they selected a their offensive tackle that many media analysts were thinking that they would get. But this wasn't the prospect that many people have thought that they would have picked at that pick. They picked up a first round talent in my eyes in Josh Jones from Houston, who really doesn't have a high ceiling. But he really does have a high floor and can really become just a very solid tackle at that right tackle position. Now at Houston, he was a left tackle, so he's going to have to make that transition to the right tackle since DJ Humphreys manages that left tackle position. And he's going to be behind in the depth chart 
with Marcus Gilbert probably going to take over that starting spot, and maybe even Justin Murray, who was very serviceable at that right tackle position last year. And it just may be a good thing that Josh Jones is going to be sitting behind players that have played the right tackle position. He really does have to learn that position. The only the only way that I can see him playing this upcoming season is maybe in the guard spots where Sweezy and Pew are playing at. And I think that would be such an interesting scenario for this offensive line. But Josh Jones was a very, very good pick, very good value pick at that 72nd pick. With their day three selections, their first one came with Lucky Fotu, who was from Utah. He was a defensive tackle. He has an overwhelming amount of amount of strength and power and is just very good at using his hands and has the potential to be a two-gapping early-down defender at that next level. He is very crafty. He kind of reminds me of a Vita Vea in that sense. Their second fourth-round pick was Rashard Lawrence. And he he's interesting in the sense that this past season, or the past few seasons when he was at LSU, was the captain, was a team captain. And he provides a lot of leadership for this team. And he will become a much better leader at this next level. He just really have to has to improve his technique. And he has to make up for his not-so-big frame. He has a wide body, which is, is good, but he's a, he is a little bit undersized. When he was at LSU, he was he was able to become disruptive while also eating up blockers to allow the linebackers to come through. So in a sense, it kind of reminds me of like a Vince Wilfork. He can also shed blocks with his constant work with his hands, and he his hands is what's going to make him become very versatile on that defensive line. He could use his hands as a as a nose tackle, trying to make room for the linebackers. He could also use his hands as a pass rusher, get around get around tackles pretty easily. Now, obviously that's all the potential that he has, and right now he doesn't provide too much of that in the NFL level, but he can become a very versatile defensive lineman for this team. With their sixth round pick, they selected another linebacker in Evan Weaver, who went to California this past season. He really, he's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic at that linebacker position, which is why he fell that far into the sixth round. But the dude is a tackling machine, and he has a high motor. He has a high work ethic. He's just another energy energy guy at that linebacker position, which is also something that a defense needs. They need that contagious energy throughout the whole game, and Evan Weaver can bring that. And like I said earlier, he's a tackling machine. The dude had 182, 182, 181 tackles at Cal this past season. That led the nation. His high motor is going to keep this linebacker core going if he can develop into a serviceable linebacker when it comes to possibly pass rushing and maybe uh, coverage as well. With their seventh round pick, they also selected a, run, a running back, uh, Eno Benjamin, who went to Arizona State. And this was a player that should not have fell to the seventh round. This dude was way too talented, and he could, or way too talented to be picked in the seventh round. He had, he has great pass catching skills. He had seventy seven receptions over the past two seasons. And he has great lateral quickness. Has He has a great ability of changing speed and directions and direction to make defenders miss. He's a little undersized, but he, the dude is a three-down back. 
He is a workhorse at that running back position. Now, he's probably not going to get too much playing time just due to the fact that he's he's behind in the depth chart. Kenyon Drake is probably, or he will be the starting running back for this Cardinals team this upcoming season. And Chase Edmonds proved to be a very good running back when he started. But he will be that number two back, and Eno Benjamin really has to has to do a lot to be able to jump them in the depth chart. But this is this is a good option for when somebody like Kenyon or Chase Edmonds goes down with injury. This is a dude that can go right in and produce right away. And that was pretty much their offseason, and their offseason provided a lot of... They really became the hype team of this offseason, kind of like how Cleveland was last offseason. And Cliff, Kyler, and DeAndre Hopkins are right at the center of this hype. They're the reason why Arizona is this year's hype team. And Cliff and Kyler are kind of... It's a controversial duo, just due to the fact that nobody really believed in what the Cardinals were doing last offseason. They brought in a college offensive mastermind who really failed at that college level when it came to producing wins. And they gave up on their top 10 quarterback that they picked the year before in Josh Rosen, and they ended up selecting an undersized quarterback that really was known for his running, or that was the reason why people loved the dude so much is that he was just insanely quick. A lot of people didn't believe in that duo, and they provided a lot of excitement in the desert this past season. But even then, still, people are not going to believe in the hype just due to the fact that Cliff was an inconsistent play caller in this past season. Now, it was his rookie year, it was both of their rookie years, and they're learning how to play with each other still. But there's some people that think that Cliff is gonna be taking a while is gonna take a while adapting to the NFL play calling level, which I highly disagree with, because I do believe that all the roster moves that he has or all the roster moves that the Cardinals have made in the past two off-seasons come from him, and that's the reason why that this team is getting so much more excitement. I wouldn't believe that if Cliff wasn't the head coach, we wouldn't have this team at all. I'm not saying that if we kept Steve Wilkes or anything like that and there wouldn't have been major changes, but I don't think that many people would have wanted to come to Arizona. Cliff is a guy that players want to play for. Just due to his play calling and his... And he's pretty much like a player's coach. He has done a good job with his players and he's going to keep continuing to do a good job with his players. A lot of people still don't believe that Kyler will make that jump this next season. And that's something that, you know, I highly disagree with too. There's people that say that players like or quarterbacks like Daniel Jones and Gardner Minshew have higher ceilings or is much is much better than Kyler Murray right now, which is another thing that I highly disagree with. Kyler gets comparisons to Russell Wilson, and that's like about the perfect comparison right now. They're not they, they everybody knows that they both have the ability to run, but they're not running quarterbacks. They're quarterbacks that have the ability to run. And that's what brought a lot of fans to Arizona this past season. Just that Kyler is just an exciting player to watch. His arm talent is, without a doubt, one of the best in the league. And has the potential to become a lot better. This is a dude that I'm looking at through the past three draft classes with first-round quarterbacks. This is the guy that I will probably want for 10-plus years. And people are going to always 
doubt him because of his height. People are going to think that he's going to get hurt. But you watch the games this past season, the dude doesn't get touched, really. If he does get touched, it's because he's thrown, he threw the ball and they, you know, they get a quarterback hit. Or if they just, you know, sack him. But all of his sacks came from him and he knows that and he is going to continue to really improve his football IQ. Now you see, you watch him in the games, he really doesn't get hit that much when he runs out of the pocket. And you can tell he doesn't want to run out of the pocket, but it's just due to the circumstances of last season. And the dude was taught, it seemed like he was taught how to protect himself. The dude knows when to slide, he knows when to run out of bounds, he just knows how to protect himself. If he gets hurt and like he can't run for a week or two, it probably wouldn't even be a problem. Yeah, people are probably going to be less excited because he's not going to be running around, but he is a pocket passer, and that's what he's trying to become. There is a few things that I felt that Kyler still does need to improve on. One is his touch. Just lobbing the ball up and trusting his wide receivers, which you can tell he was working on it. He was really trying to lob the ball over defenders, and I remember this play against the Browns. He tried to lob it over the linebacker, but it just wasn't enough. And it got intercepted by, I believe it was another rookie, Mac Wilson. And there was times where it worked. That same game, lobbed it up and trusted his receiver, and Dan Arnold caught it for a touchdown. Um, he also did that same thing a few weeks later, just lobbed it up to Dan Arnold, trusted his receiver, and got it. And I believe that it was inconsistent, is because, you know, I think it's just because that dude fires it. The dude has a strong arm and tries to muscle in. Every throw, you love. It seems like he loves a tight window throw. And sometimes that that throw isn't going to work, and that's why he was really trying to work on his touch. I also believe that he does have to trust his linemen instead of trying to extend the play so much to the point where he's back fifteen yards and it it looks dangerous, and he has to throw it away. Maybe he gets sacked. You know, that's just an IQ thing, and I know that, or from stuff that I've seen, he seems that he is working on that stuff. And Kyler is just, I believe that he'll take that next step. He's not going to, he's going to be a dark horse MVP candidate, and that's, you know, that's not, it's not unreasonable, is what I'm saying. I mean, he has the talent around him. None of his... He has a lot of weapons at his disposal. He has his three running backs. He still has Larry Fitz, and then he gets a number one receiver in D-Hop. And he, they had three rookie wide receivers last year that they were really trying to work on. And they still have yet to play significant snaps. And so he'll have those three at his disposal, as well as Christian Kirk, who, in a sense, kind of disappointed me last year. Now, he was hurt a little for a few weeks last year. But there are some days where he looked like a top slot receiver or a top outside receiver, and then the next game he'll get locked down by a, a number three corner. So his consistency, maybe his like route running and trying to create space for himself needs to improve a little bit, but I trust that he'll improve that. Now his tight ends aren't the greatest, but Max Williams is serviceable in the catching game, but he's mainly a run blocker. And the tight end to keep an eye on is Dan Arnold, who really played well in the snaps that he played last season. He only played four games with us, but he caught two touchdowns and he had 100-plus yards. 
you know, he could really be that red zone threat that Kyler needs at that tight end position. The defensive line and the linebacker core seems set. There's good depth there, and it'll be, you know, if one of these players gets out, they can just put in their rookie right there, and I don't think that'll be an issue for for the team. And their special teams is good. I don't think that we don't really need to go over that. But the defensive backs, the offensive line, and Vance Joseph are gonna what are going to are the pieces that'll make or break this team. The offensive line, at least in the Cardinals' perspective, maybe not in this past season, but in other seasons, this offensive line is known for getting extremely hurt. This past season, it seemed like every player was durable. And that just comes with the coaching of Sean Coogler, who was who was our offensive line coach. And I just hope that this offensive line is able to hold up pretty well throughout this next season because this is what's going to make or break the offense, really. The defense is another story. Their defensive back, they have solid defensive backs. Patrick Peterson, I still believe, can really return to that all-pro form. Buda Baker is is a two-time pro bowler, and he's become one of the best safeties in the NFL. And there's people, players that are really unknown. I mean, Jalen Thompson, I believe that he'll take that next step. He played very well in the games that he played. And I think he could really be that breakout star in this defense. We're going to have to wait and see with him. Robert Alford missed all of last season with a broken leg. And he is also an unknown. He's on the wrong side of 30. And we still have him for this season and next season on a decent salary. So that's also a wait and see. Byron Murphy played inconsistent, but he is a player that the Cardinals really like and I really like as well. He'll primarily play at that slot corner position. And most of last season he played outside due to Robert Alford's injury and Patrick Peterson's suspension. But I do believe that he will bounce back off of a rough rookie year. Deontay Thompson was, you could tell that he was really adjusting to the NFL. And that's and that's no fault to him. I mean, all rookies have rookie moments and all that, but I hope that he does become serviceable because I remember before the college season, I had him as a first-round talent. And by the draft, I had him as like second, third-round talent. And we got him in the fifth round, and I thought that was a steal. I'm still going to be very high on him. And then I like Chris Jones, who was, I believe he was our highest-rated man coverage player per pro football focus. But he was also pretty inconsistent. At, and at some point in the season, we also released him and put him on the practice squad. And outside of that, we don't have much depth in the defensive back rotation. There are young players and special teamers that possibly could play a role in the defense. But there's, I believe that there should be a few more. Maybe another cornerback would be really nice in case Alford gets hurt. I don't, I'm not completely sold on Chris Jones manning that second cornerback position or the slot corner if Byron Murphy slides over to that second cornerback slot. And Vance Joseph. He is a defensive coordinator that not a lot of player play or not players not a lot of people and the media isn't too high on Vance Joseph was a subpar defensive coordinator in Miami and then he became the Denver head coach and they played subpar as well and this past season we had a pretty bad defense and a lot of the players that he had this past season were 
not that good. They didn't have too much depth, and the defense really failed. But Vance Joseph now has players like Isaiah Simmons, Devondre Campbell, Devon Kennard. They brought in defensive line help. They brought in Jordan Phillips. And they have their cornerbacks coming back. So I really do think that there is no excuse for Vance Joseph to really mess up again in this upcoming season. If they go down to their worst-case scenario, which I think is a 5-11 and record, then he's automatically gone. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these key pieces end up leaving or retiring. So the success really relies on how Vance Joseph is going to coach this defense and how the players are going to play in that defense. But if he can do... If he can become... If he can make this defense league average, I think this team can really make a huge jump in the standings this upcoming season. Now that we have went over this Cardinals roster, we can go in and just predict their whole season. And in their week one matchup, they're on the road, and they're going to be playing San Francisco. Now, the likelihood or the most likely thing when it comes to San Fran's offense is that Debo Samuel won't be playing in this game. Now, there's always a chance, but the likelihood is that he is not going to He's not going to play in this game. And they're going to be looking at trade offers for Raheem Mostert, their starting running back who really came onto the scene this past season. He requested a trade just not too long ago. But I do think that their running back core is still going to be very good. And with a lot of... They had to replace a few of their very good veteran players with rookies. And in week one, I don't think that they're going to do too great, their rookies. They have pretty decent holes to fill, especially since they were just coming off of a Super Bowl berth. And I do think that this is a game where we really surprise a bunch of a bunch of fans and media analysts. And I think we're going to take this one. We're going to start off 1-0, and I do think that it's going to be like a very good and close game against San Fran. But I think at the end of the day, I think that their wide receiver core is, is going to be kind of manhandled by Murphy and Peterson, maybe Alford. Now, Kittle is going to be the main problem in this game. We're not going to stop him at all. I think that's a gimme. But I do think that we can contain them enough to make them run the ball. And this past season, they were not able to run the ball very well against us. So I really do believe in our team enough to steal a game on the road against the defending NFC champions. Now in week two, they go back home and they play their home opener versus the Washington team. I'm not going to, I don't know what their team name is going to be, so I'm just calling Washington. Now, Washington's defense looks very win now, especially since Ron Rivera is their coach. He's a very good game planner. The dude has really done a very good job at beating the Cardinals in multiple games. I believe they've won their last five outings against us. So that really says something. But I do think that their offense is lackluster. Hopefully Haskins can really take that next step, but I don't know if they really want him as their starting quarterback of the future. And I think this is just going to be a matter of like which defense is going to do better and or which offense is going to do better because I do think that both of these defenses are going to luck are going to do a good job containing each other, but I do think that Arizona will come on top for the first time against Ron Rivera since however many years ago. 
Week three, they stay home and they play the Lions, and I think this is another win. I like Detroit's roster. I think this is a team that can be really, really good and like win their division. Or they're going to be really, really bad. and that, Everything's going to re- rely on Matt Patricia. And in my eyes, I don't think Patricia's that good of a coach. And with the talent that he has had around him over the past few years, I believe that they should have made the playoffs at some point. But that's just not the case. So I, I do think that Arizona's offense is going to do a good job against this Detroit defense. Now, they go back on the road again. They stay on the East Coast for a few weeks. Week four, they go against the Panthers. And this is almost like a trap game where teams are going to expect us to beat this Carolina team because our roster just looks a lot better than theirs, especially on the defensive end. But this is also another team where you don't know what to expect from their new head coach who... Kind of like Cliff Kingsbury last season, we didn't know what offense he was going to bring to Carolina or Arizona. And that's the same thing with Matt Rule in Carolina. And I think our defense, or they have plenty of weapons, Carolina. And I do think that their offense can really click. But everything is going to depend on Matt Rule and their offensive coordinator's coaching. I don't think their defense is that good, especially with the loss of Luke Keekley. Now, they used all seven draft picks this past draft on defense, but I don't think that's going to be enough, and I do think that Arizona is going to take this. Now, week five, they stay on the East Coast, and they play the Jets. I've seen a lot of Instagram accounts and media analysts really or they just don't think that we're going to win both of these East Coast games and that's I'm personally I think that we could we could especially since they're going to be staying out on the East Coast for two weeks in a row or at least that's what Cardinals management has been saying that they're going to be staying on the East Coast for two weeks staying at one one place and they're already going to be adjusted to the time zones so I think they're going to be alright with that and I just think that Arizona's team is just much better and much more much better coached Adam Gase I'm not a believer in Sam Darnold I really hope I was really high on him in 2018 and I really hope that he can do do some damage in this league but I think that Adam Gase is really holding him back and if they do end up trading Jamal Adams, then that's just another huge loss for that Jets team. Now, I'm not going to play a Jamal Adams trade into this game. But even then, I still think that Arizona would go on top and start off 5-0. and Now, week 6, they go to Dallas on a Monday night game. And I think this is where our first loss comes in. Just because it's really hard to play at Cowboys Stadium. Now, I don't think that... I think that their passing game is going to do pretty well. And I don't think that their defense is too great, especially since I'm not the biggest fan of their safety group. But I do think that this is just going to be a tough game to win, and I don't think that... I don't think that we could really start off 6-0 like that. If we played a team like Miami, or maybe if we went to Seattle week 6, then maybe. But this is just another tough game, another road game, and this is on national television. I think the spotlight will be a little too big for us. Not saying that it's going to be a blowout. I think that this is going to be a shootout and one of the best games of the year. But I do think that Dallas is going to take this game. Week 7, they go back home, and they play the Seahawks. And I think this is just going to be another season where they win here, we win there. Like, the away teams beat each other at the opponent's home place. So I'm just going to 
I'm gonna have Seattle win week seven. They go into the bye week at five and two. Which is a very good start. Now, week nine, after the bye, they play against Miami, and Arizona's gonna be staying home. They're gonna be hosting the Miami Dolphins. And I think this is another win. Their defense is gonna be much improved. And this is gonna be a team to beat in the future, in my eyes. But I think that our defense is going to really really hold up against this Miami team. I like Devontae Parker, and I like Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think that they're going to be too, doing too much. Their offensive line is going to be filled with rookies, and we don't know how they're going to play. And we don't know how Tua is going to play, but we all know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing in this game, we know who he is and how he plays. And I think this is another win for us. Week 10, we stay home and we host the Buffalo Bills. And this was one of the harder games to to predict, just because I really like this Buffalo team, especially their signing of Quentin Jefferson. If you don't know who he is, he's a very versatile defensive lineman. He played in Seattle for most of his career, and I just remember last season he really he really feasted against us. And the dude has the ability to play nose tackle, a regular defensive tackle, defensive end. He was able to play a pass rushing role too. And I think that he can also do the same in Buffalo. They have a good offense. It's really all going to depend on how Josh Allen is going to grow as a quarterback in this upcoming season. And I'm not going to be one of those fans that's going to say like he's a MVP candidate. But I do think that he will take a jump in this next season. So this is a very tough game to predict. I'm going to go Buffalo winning this game, though. I think that this is the number one team in their division. And I just think that they're going to... I want to say... I think this is just going to be a very good game, but I think Buffalo comes out on top. And Week 11, like I said... You know, they win here, we win there. This is a Thursday night game against Seattle, and I think we would take this one as well. Now, we go on the road again. The next week, we go to New England. And I think that this is also New England's game. I think that Bill Belichick is just too good of a play caller and good game manager. Um... And their defense is still going to be elite. It's going to be very hard to score on this team. Now, if they still have Jarrett Stidham at that quarterback position, I think that there's a better chance. But I, if Cam Newton stays healthy, I think that he could really, really do well for this Patriots team. It's going to be hard to stop this New England team, especially since we're going out there later in the year where it's going to be all chilly and cold so i'll have new england taking this one but this up next week they're going to be taking taking on the rams and arizona's going back home and i think arizona's going to win this one as well i like mcveigh as a head coach play caller i just don't like Goff as as great of a run as they made a few years ago and the strides that it looked like he made. I'm not believing in it. And their offense. It's still going to be good. I like Robert Woods is extremely underrated. Cooper Cup is a very good wide receiver that is also underrated. Their offensive line is going, is subpar. Their defense, although they have players like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and John Johnson... And Taylor Rapp, I really like Taylor Rapp. I don't think that that's enough to beat the Cardinals. Especially since, you know, we're going into... Going into a point in the season where we're really going to be trying to push for the playoffs. 
The next week, we go back on the road and we go and face the Giants. And again, this is probably like no late November, early December. But I think that we're just... I think we're going to be much better uh, later in the season. I think that we could take this game. I'm going to have a... I'm going to have us beating the Giants. And I hope that Daniel Jones is like, I hope that he improves this next season. Especially when it comes to controlling the ball and handling the ball. I don't know. I'm, I think that our defense is really going to do a good job containing Saquon. And I think that we're going to do a good job just, you know, really getting after the quarterback, uh, giving pressure to Daniel Jones and that offensive line. I'm high on Andrew Thomas, who I thought was the best tackle in this year's draft, but then again, he's still a rookie, and they still have Nate Solder on the other side. So whatever side Chandler Jones or Devon Kennard is on, I think they're going to have a really good game in this game. We go back home week 15, and we're, we're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the Eagles roster. I have them beating us. And I don't want them to beat us. Uh, especially especially since that I think that our offense is a little bit more talented than that Eagles team. But I think that Carson Wentz is going to return to this MVP form this upcoming season. I think that it's going to be enjoyable to watch Philadelphia. And it's just going to be hard to contain a team like that. And then then their defense is, it's Super Bowl caliber. It, it could really be a top two, top three defense this upcoming season. I love their pickup of Darius Slay. I love their pickup of Javon Hargrave, who's a defensive lineman. I think this team is going to be a top team in the NFL this upcoming season. So I'll have us losing to them. The next week we stay home and we play San Francisco. And I think San Francisco takes this game as well. I think I think this team is still going to be healthy. And I think that their defense is, is going to be much more prepared for for this upcoming game. Especially since they... Were, embarrassingly lost week one to a team that maybe maybe shouldn't have a winning record but they just do uh i I don't think san fran is gonna really skip a beat uh off of last season i think they're gonna really continue to become or continue being a super bowl contender it's just gonna be a lot harder knowing that they don't have a veteran wide receiver and they don't have their interior pass rush in DeForest Buckner. And week 17, our last game, we go to L.A. and we play the Rams. And I think this is another another win for us. I'm not high on the Rams, like I said. And so my predictions led us to a 10-6 and record. And... I'm probably going to finish out the rest of this little this little playoff predictors or schedule predictors website. So I'll be back in uh, in a few minutes. And our 10 and 6 record was good enough to make the 6th seed in the playoffs. In the NFC, the number 1 seed was the Philadelphia Eagles at that 13 and 3 record. And two other teams tied that 13-3 and record, which was the Saints and the Buccaneers. The Saints ended up getting the number two seed while Tampa got the number five seed. San Francisco got the third seed. Green Bay got the fourth. Arizona got the sixth. And Seattle got the seventh, in case you guys were wondering. And in case you were wondering about the AFC, the Ravens are on the bye while Kansas City is the second seed, Tennessee 3, Buffalo 4, Pittsburgh 5, Denver 6th, and New England number 7. 
So I guess we'll just predict the playoffs right here. I'm going to have Pittsburgh winning in the AFC. I'm going to have Tennessee being Denver. I'm going to have Kansas City being New England. I'm going to have Tampa beating Green Bay. As much as I would love for Arizona to beat San Fran, I think it's just going to be too much. Like right right now in the wild card, I think it's going to be too much. So I'm going to have San Fran winning in that. Along with New Orleans in the wild card round. And now we go on to the divisional where Kansas City plays Tennessee. Baltimore plays Pittsburgh. New Orleans plays San Francisco. And Philadelphia plays Tampa Bay. I'm going to have Kansas City and Baltimore winning it. Along with New Orleans and Tampa Bay. And those are going to be the conference championship games. I think Baltimore will take it. And New Orleans. And then I might have New Orleans win the Super Bowl. So that's pretty much the playoffs. If you want me to go in depth with each team's schedule, you know, I can do that in future episodes. But right now this is all about the Cardinals and they they make a wild card berth and that's not their peak in my eyes. I think their peak is like a twelve and four record and winning their division. Their lows can be five eleven. But I have them going 10-6, which is respectable to say the least. And this is where I would want my Cardinals team to to be at. I would love for them to have a winning record for the first time in however many years. It feels like a long time ago. And hopefully with uh, with an offense like this and the amount of assets that we have on the defensive end, I hope that we can make a... Hope that the Cardinals will get this... Get their season going strong and hopefully making the playoffs. But that will conclude this Arizona Cardinals episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. And I'll be back in the next one. Okay, guys.